This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode mentions Amazon, which supports and pays to distribute some of our content. We also mention Google, IBM, and LinkedIn, all financial supporters of NPR. Now... Here's today's show. This is Planet Money from NPR. January of 2023 was a pretty rough month if you worked in tech. PayPal announced that they're going to lay off 2,000 people. IBM was laying off nearly 4,000 people. And news leaked that Amazon was getting ready to lay off 18,000 people. At the time, Ashka was a product engineer at Amazon working on things like their search engine. Do you remember the day, what day it was? Like, were you anticipating getting laid off or was it a surprise to you? So we were aware that the decision would be given on 18th of January, but like not in my wildest dreams. I had imagined that uh, I would be the one impacted. But then, yeah, this happened. Ashka thought she was working on a really successful team. There had been an all-hands meeting a couple of months before these layoffs, and she says management singled them out, told them in front of everyone, you guys are doing great. So when she got the news, she was really shocked. Oh, yeah, it was pretty bad on that day. Like, I cried a lot because I had dedicated uh, a lot of time of my life towards shining at my job and, like, performing at my best. Right as Ashka was being laid off from Amazon, another tech worker named Nalanjan was facing the same thing at Google. For him, it started like this. It was about 5.30 in the morning. My uh, wife was woken up with her phone vibrating, and she had received an email about uh, the layoffs in the organization. Layoffs at Google effective immediately. His wife also works there, so they're not sure what this means. Has he been laid off? Has she? Have they both been laid off? Nalanjan got up and went straight to his laptop. But he can't log into his work email, his corporate account. And he's like, come on, there must be something wrong with the network. And he started typing in his login over and over and over again. It took me about 15 uh, minutes of trying out different ways of logging in to realize, no, this has actually happened and this is the reality. I have just lost, lost my job. He was sitting there in his pajamas, kind of stunned. His wife was not laid off, but he was. Nalanjan had moved to the U.S. in 2022 for what was his dream job? Global product lead for omni-channel advertising products. Basically, he works in digital advertising. You know, he was an ad guy at Google. And now Google needed to shrink its workforce? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was painful. It felt personal and uh, not about the company, not about the fact that I had lost my job, but uh, it was about the fact that I really loved my work. Both Ashka and Nalanjan were working with Americans who also got laid off, and some of their colleagues were treating the news differently. They were kind of seeing this as an opportunity to take some time off. But Ashka and Nalanjan couldn't. They're both in the U.S. on H-1B visas, temporary work visas. They have to have jobs. And if they don't get jobs in time, they'll need to leave the country. The clock really is ticking because I need to land an interview and start the process as soon as possible. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Alyssa Jung-Perry. And I'm Amanda Aronchik. 
people come from all over the world to work in U.S. tech. And during the tech boom years, the industry relied heavily on foreign workers. This is how we built Silicon Valley, with great minds from everywhere. But when the industry started to shrink last year, all of these people who moved here for work are finding that linking their jobs to their residency is complicated. Today on the show, we follow two tech workers as they try to find jobs before their visas expire and they have to leave the country. This advertisement comes from our paid sponsor, Fundrise. High interest rates mean that real estate assets are available at a discount compared to previous valuations. The Fundrise flagship fund plans to expand its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. Add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio at fundrise.com money. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the fund before investing. Read the prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. The Embedded Podcast brings you eye-opening reporting. There's something that hasn't been disclosed yet. Immersive journalism. I could smell the smoke. I could smell the dust. Personal stories. I was scared. Like, I can't protect you. We are NPR's home for documentary storytelling. Find Embedded wherever you get your podcasts. The competition to get an H-1B visa is tough. Once a year, the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services opens up a lottery for H-1B visas. It's for people with a specialized skill who are often working in science and tech. Companies sponsor applicants that they hope to employ long-term. This year, there were more than 780,000 applications, but only 85,000 visas will be granted. So about 10% of applicants will get visas. Ashka and Nalanjan both felt really lucky when they won the lottery and got their visas to work for Amazon and Google, respectively. These visas are good for three years and can be renewed usually once. And tech companies have relied on them to staff up with foreign talent. That coincided with a boom in the tech industry. And because the past few years have been so boomy, people who came here on H-1B visas did not expect to lose their jobs. So sometimes people on H-1Bs buy houses, open bank accounts, lease cars. They settle in. Like take Ashka. Both her and her sister moved to the U.S., and Ashka was counting on her new salary to help support herself and her younger sister. I have my uh, sibling over here, studying over here for her undergrad. So because I had started the job, I told my parents that now uh, we both will take care of ourselves. So I was uh, paying her tuition fees. Ashka promised her family that she'll pay her younger sister's tuition, 22000 a year. So right now I need to get a job as soon as possible so that I can pay her tuition fees in like August or September whenever it comes for the next semester. So uh, firstly, my focus is on landing a job right now. Ashka and her family hope that she and her sister will stay in the U.S. long term. And they thought her job at Amazon was a good, stable job, maybe even a path towards citizenship. Nalanjan also has a few commitments. He helps support his parents in India by paying their medical bills. Meanwhile, his family here in the U.S. is growing. We, we are expecting a baby in May, and I wouldn't want any kind of an immigration hassle to crop up, uh, which uh, makes me go back to India, and we are in two separate continents during this time. He does not want to be stuck out of the country when his wife gives birth. And that is a possibility, because an immigration hassle could totally pop up. 
Melanjin and Ashka can stay on their H-1B and stay in the U.S. if they can find new jobs within 60 days. And if their new employer is willing to sponsor their visas. Melanjin figures the whole visa transfer process by itself will take about four weeks. Which means it's one month. So technically, I have just 30 days and not 60 days to find a job. This timeline was weighing on him. The more stressful the situation was, the more organized and methodical he got. He was like, there must be a spreadsheet I could build to fix this problem. As a person, I'm very action-oriented. And I always feel that I should be taking some action to make things right. So as a result, during the entire day, I'm kind of overproductive and hyperactive. So at night, when I go to sleep, I'm unable to sleep because the mind just doesn't shut off. And therefore, rest has become uh, very erratic. This was in February, a couple of weeks after he got laid off. Nalanjan said that he was only getting a couple of hours of sleep at night, and then he was waking up from not really sleeping and spending 10 to 12 hours a day at his new job, which was finding a job. Small note, we don't want to jeopardize Ashka and Nalanjan's ability to find and get jobs, so we're only using their first names. For Ashka, what she realized she needed first after being laid off was some parental love. But her mom and dad lived far away in India. So instead, she went to stay with the parents of a good friend of hers who happened to be visiting from India. So I felt really good staying with them. Like I found a mother and a father kind of a figure. So yeah, I stayed Mm -hmm. with them for a couple of days until I'm like uh, all well and like ready to apply to another job. She tried to not take the layoff personally, Some days she was successful at that, and others, not so much. Staying with her friend's parents was just what she needed. I no longer feel like a loser, so yeah, that's the whole point right now. Oh, I don't think you're a loser. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but in the initial days, I used to feel like I'm the biggest loser and like things like that. I know, it's hard not to take it personally, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I knew that it wasn't uh, based on performance anyways, but then uh, like... Obviously, you ask questions to God, like, why me? So, yeah, like, it's not like I have gotten over that completely, but then it comes and goes now. Yeah, so I'm happy about that. At least it doesn't stay for a longer time. This conversation took place near the end of February. Ashka was still receiving paychecks from Amazon, and the 60-day clock was going to start when she was officially terminated. At that point, she thought she had enough time to find a new job. So she was trying to treat her situation as a problem-tunity. You sound more upbeat. Yeah, yeah. So that is because I have gotten into my discipline uh, schedule. So doing small, small things, right? In the morning, I woke up at 4, done, tick. I did my meditation, tick. Uh, I did my gymming, tick. So that makes me feel more accomplished through the, throughout the day. Ashka got into a routine. Yeah, she would wake up at 4 a.m., research potential employers, and then get on LinkedIn and start applying to jobs. So right now the game is uh, all about standing apart from the crowd. So I have resume reviews with people. I have uh, meetings with people working at different organizations. And like, I want to learn things during this time. Like, I want to make the best use of this time. We watched her fill LinkedIn with sunflower emojis and hearts. Ashka would commiserate with people who had lost their jobs and congratulate people on their new positions. She had all of this energy and enthusiasm and was determined to find another job that would let her stay in the U.S. long term. 
The fact that Ashka is here for work and is hoping to stay has a lot to do with the type of visa she's on. There are two main types of U.S. visas, immigrant and non-immigrant. Immigrant visas are for people who are moving to the U.S. to stay, and non-immigrant visas are for people who are just coming for a while, for work or a trip, then they'll go home. The H-1B visa, the one Ashka and Nalanjan are on, is a little peculiar. Officially, it's called a non-immigrant visa. But it's different from most non-immigrant visas because there's no requirement that the person prove that they intend to go home. They don't have to demonstrate that, you know, they kept their apartment in the country that they came from. The H-1B is considered to have dual intent, meaning people can intend to come for a short while while also intending to stay more permanently, if they can make it work. This, in part, was making the situation so thorny for Ashka and Nalanjan. In March, we got a voice message from Nalanjan. Scouring job posts all day was not giving him energy and enthusiasm. It has been two months since the layoff. Every passing day is a grim reminder of the direness of the situation as an immigrant. It is extremely difficult to appear for interviews with a positive mindset, get rejected, and then prepare for the next one and appear for it again with a positive energy and a genuine smile. His tendency towards being overproductive was preventing him from getting what he really needed, sleep. To be honest, I'm operating like a clockwork, following my routine of job hunting, partnering with my pregnant wife who is in the third trimester. Assuring our families back at home in India that situations have not yet spiraled out of control. Going to bed every night, vacillating between despair and hope. Nalanjan used to love going to an office. He loved having colleagues. He loved brainstorming sessions on whiteboards with those erasable markers. He loved going to work. Being jobless was deeply unsettling for him. This void uh, has had an impact on my sense of identity. Some days are harder than the others. The journey is on. Let's see how far I am able to travel before the time runs out. So wish me luck and pray for me. For Ashka, by the time we talked in April, she had just 35 days left before her visa would run out. She had submitted a ton of resumes and had been interviewed by about 30 to 40 companies. That's a lot of interviews. Usually she would wait until the very end of these interviews to say... Look, I'm on this H-1B visa. And a lot of the times, that seemed to change the conversation. From the company's perspective, workers on an H-1B are going to stick around. The visa makes it harder for them to quit. So that's a positive if you're an employer. But at the same time, hiring someone on an H-1B can cost five to $10,000. And it's complicated. It's a lot of paperwork. But even though the clock was ticking, Ashka still felt confident about getting a job in time. So ever since I have stepped in the United States, my story has been like this. Like everything happens at the end moment. (laughs) And like I have been joking that right now I am the audience to my own story. And I'm waiting like what will happen next in Ashka's life. (laughs) So... (laughs) How do, how do you feel like Ashka, the, the character in the movie, is doing? Is she doing okay? <laughs> she is a ninja right now. <laughs> like, she, she, like uh, now when I think about myself, I really feel that I have a lot of strength that I didn't realize in the past. And I think I'm stronger than I thought that I was. Both Nalanjan and Ashka were doing everything they could think of to try to get a job before their visas ran out and they would have to leave the U.S. 
After the break, the countdown gets down to the last 30 days. Also, a big move and a baby. Support for NPR comes from ADP. Say you own a business, then suddenly a solar flare adds an extra hour to each day. Would you add an extra shift, shift office hours, install those weird sleeping pod things? You can try to figure it out on your own or just get ADP. From HR to payroll, ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to help your business take on the next anything, even unexplainable cosmic events that end up granting humanity an extra hour a day. ADP, always designing for people. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR. We have never seen anything like the revolution in AI technology happening right now. Or have we? The 1920s, the 1940s, the 1960s, the 1980s. The robots are coming. The robots are coming. One economist says, yeah, things are changing, but maybe not as fast as you think. People keep saying, but this one feels different. But they've said that every time. A conversation you didn't hear in our series on AI in our recent bonus episode. And listen to that episode for an exclusive discount code for the NPR shop. As a thank you to our Planet Money Plus supporters. We spoke with a bunch of economists with different takes on the H-1B visa. Most of them agree that we want a way to bring in highly skilled, well-trained workers. It's good for our economy. But as it stands now, it's not working well. Some say that the 60-day rule is onerous, or the limit on the number of visas is too low, and that the system can lead to companies abusing and exploiting H-1B workers. So the big issue with the H-1B visa having all of these problems is that workers like Ashka and Nalanjan might tell their highly skilled, well-trained friends back home, don't come to the U.S., living on an H-1B is too precarious. Then... These friends might instead choose to move to Canada or Portugal or Singapore, places that are easier to go to for work. With just 20 days left before her visa was going to expire, around the end of April, we spoke with Ashka again. This time, she was no longer a job-applying ninja, fighting her way against all the odds. She was close to getting a job she really wanted at a startup. But again, her visa situation seemed to be messing things up. I'm still trying to convince them, but uh, I am not sure at this point. So, In the last conversation with her potential boss, the woman said that the startup wanted to hire Ashka. But she also encouraged Ashka to look for other jobs, just in case. On the day when I heard this thing from the founder, uh, I was like, I don't want to get up from my bed. I don't want to eat. I, I don't want to do anything. And, uh, yeah, so my sister uh, kind of ordered me food so, like, I can have food. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that was a really, like, one of the darkest days of my life. Like, of course, I'm exaggerating it, but, uh, yeah, it was very difficult to get through that day. And this wasn't the only news she shared with us. 
Also, she said that she could no longer afford to live in Seattle. She made the decision to move back where she went to grad school. So I am moving uh, to Texas to a friend's place so where I can live for some time without paying my rent. So, so that is the plan. I'm moving on Sunday. So, yeah. Did you pack up your place in Seattle? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my room is filled with boxes and bags right now. So, yeah, hopefully Texas brings me some good news. That same month, April, we heard again from Nalanjan. He had 47 days before his visa was going to run out. And he'd also applied for a very large number of jobs. How many times did you submit your resume, you think? Like 20 times? I'll give you three guesses. 60? 75? 100? Yeah. So I think I have applied to about uh, uh, close to about 150 to 200 uh, opportunities. Wow. Out of all those applications, Nalanjan got two job interviews, two. And he was a finalist for one. So it's, you're a finalist for a job, which is excellent, very exciting. When do you find out if, uh, if you get the job? Oh, I mean, uh, when I say finalist for the role, it means that I have got the job. Now, oh. I have got the job. But the thing, the challenge that lies ahead of us is to get the immigration thing done. Yes, this company was ready to hire him. Yes, they were willing to sponsor his visa. But Nalanjan was finding this whole thing so stressful that he couldn't acknowledge that he had gotten the job. And he was still calling himself a finalist. He still needed to finish the paperwork to send to immigration for his H-1B visa transfer. And it wasn't guaranteed that it would go through. So my uh, clock runs out on uh, May 30th. I need to have an answer uh, within May 30th. Wow. Okay, so this is very big news for you. And you are you looking for other jobs now just in case? I don't want to, to be honest. I don't want to because I already have applied to lots of places and uh, I'm still getting responses from those places. Most of them are rejections or I should say all of them are rejections. Uh, but... Uh, But yeah, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed and hoping that the approval goes through because if the approval doesn't go through, then I'll be back to square one. And uh, yeah, it's it's a scary place to be in. As Nalanjan waited to hear about the job, he was also waiting for his baby. The due date was a month away. He and his wife had a spreadsheet to keep track of all the stuff they needed. He was watching YouTube videos about installing car seats. And he was trying to keep his overactive mind busy. Meanwhile, Ashka was settling in, in Texas. We don't hear much from her for about a month. We were worried that no news was bad news, because she's usually chatty when things are going well. So we messaged her again, three days before her visa was set to expire in May, and we set up a time to talk. Ashka, so I've been getting your messages on WhatsApp, and I've been trying to interpret them because you have said so little. And I was like, well, you sent me a heart emoji. And then I was like, well... Maybe that's a good sign? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think we talked about that startup, right, La- last yeah. time? Yeah, yeah, That I was expecting. Yeah, she uh, messaged me that uh, they are pausing all the hiring. Oh, no. So she, they couldn't hire me. Uh, so, yeah, so that thing ended that way. Uh, but, like, right now I have a job. What? So wait, so wait a minute, you didn't get the startup job but then i got a job uh, at a pharmacy 
Ashka got a job. She's working for a pharmacy helping to build tools so people can order their medications online. She's teaching the other employees how to use artificial intelligence. And hey, the title sounds pretty good. She's VP of product. So you sound, uh, like I feel like it's kind of good news. Like you didn't have to all of a sudden pack and leave. Yeah, yeah, it is a good news, but then because of the pay, it's not paying me that well. So I'm still looking out for a better option. Um, it's like fifty percent less than what I was getting paid. So oh, wow. I, uh, yeah, I'm still at uh, living at my friend's place right now, and uh, I cannot survive at this pay. I still can't move into my own rented apartment yet, based on that. So, yeah. So, and also I had mentioned that I need to pay my sister's tuition fee. So, yeah. For the time being, Ashka has had to take a much lower paying job working for this pharmacy because they agreed to sponsor her visa. This kind of thing, people doing tech work at non-tech companies, sometimes for non-tech salaries, seems to be happening to a lot of people on H-1B visas right now. The H-1B visa program is supposed to help the economy by bringing in skilled workers. But right now, as the tech industry shrinks and there are layoffs, the program is showing its cracks. Some of the rules are hard on the workers, people with commitments, people with sisters and babies. When we try and reach out to Nalanjan again in May, we don't hear much. I don't know. Guess maybe having a baby appears to be more important than talking to us. Ugh, babies. So typical. (laughs) When we do speak, it is 11 days before his visa is going to expire. And honestly, this time, it's like talking to a different person. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, quite a few updates recently. And uh, so on May 5th, I have become a dad to a little girl. Yavi is her name. It's beautiful. Yeah, it means the place where the earth meets the heaven. That's her for us. So we thought that it would be a great name. Nalanjan says his wife is doing well, and so is the baby. And then we ask, what's up with your visa status and that job offer? Oh yeah, I was waiting for you to ask this question, because uh, our baby was born, and uh, this tiny little human comes out, wailing and flailing hands and legs, and uh, we were like, we had become parents, and uh, before we could even uh, grasp that, uh, that change, she decided to take a nap. And uh, I sat down on a chair and I thought that I might as well uh, send a message to my family WhatsApp groups. And then when I took out my phone, I saw that I had received an email from the immigration attorneys. I opened it tentatively. And uh, the only thing that flashed in front of my eyes was a screenshot of the word approved. So I did not even read the body of the email. I just saw approved and I told it to my wife. Uh, Yeah, so that's the way I found out. (laughs) Oh, that is... That is unreal. So all that I could think of at that point in time was thanking my daughter for the good luck that she has brought. The baby was born on a Friday. And that Monday, Nalanjin was at his new office, starting his new job. While some people might have been sad to go back to work so soon, Nalanjin was thrilled. This episode was produced by Sam Yellowhorse Kessler. It was engineered by James Willits. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez and edited by Molly Messick and Jess Jang. 
Thanks to Lenny Benson, Ming Chen, Raniel Hira, Guarev Khanna, and Mark Lopez. Also, a special thanks this week to Rebecca Reby at Ogletree Deacons and William Kerr, author of The Gift of Global Talent, How Migration Shapes Business, Economy, and Society. I'm Alyssa Jung-Perry. And I'm Amanda Aronchik. This is NPR. Thanks for listening. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mizzen and Maine. You deserve a dress shirt you actually want to wear. Try a comfortable, breathable, and machine washable dress shirt from Mizzen and Maine and use promo code MONEY to get 25% off orders of $130 or more at MizzenandMaine.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. On this week's Wildcard, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation.